0: Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? My guests today are Mary Bennell and Mark White. Mary is the director of the Southwest Procurement Alliance in Exeter. Mark is a retired secondary school teacher teaching art and art history. Now they run a charity in Northern Uganda that supports vocational training for the disabled. I invited them to tell the story of how that happened. Welcome Mary and Mark. Hi. Hi. Hello, good morning. Tell me about your choice to go to Uganda in the first place
1: as volunteers. Wow. It really, it was a series of processes. It started, we were, I, I certainly was, had retired or was retiring from teaching. And we were sitting down thinking, what next? And what beckoned to us was really the world of um, sensible shoes and grey fleeces and a gentle downward <laughs> drift death. <laughs> and we thought we ought to be doing something else. And the something else we came up with was some sort of volunteering. And we went to the, um, VSO um, to talk to find out what they were doing. Let me and interrupt the, you for a
0: second yeah. for the American listeners. What, are,
1: what is VSO? Oh, sure. Voluntary Service Overseas. It's a partly UK based organization, it's been going a long time.
2: It's been going since 1957 and provides trained professional volunteers to carry out capacity building throughout the developing world (laughs) so it's 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 mature well qualified professional people to carry out capacity building in in various places around the world thank you
1: and we uh, and what happens is that you don't necessarily well certainly then you don't necessarily get a choice of where they send you so you submit your skills and your abilities and then they match you to a a post. Or placing that they that they have and in our case it was Uganda um, which pleased Mary particularly because
2: my father used to work there in uh, in the late 40s early 50s and we had some lovely pictures and and lovely uh, stories of his life out there Um, so we were offered placements in uh, northern Uganda on a vocational skills training uh, initiative And very, very fortunately, we were both offered placements on there. Me as a monitoring, evaluation and programme coordinator and Mark as a curriculum advisor.
1: So we were able to use both our skills and we found ourselves living in Gulu, northern Uganda for nearly just under three years. Um, And working on this huge programme sponsored by DFID, Department for International Development, British Government. Uh, right the way across northern Uganda, and we, we were told in briefings before you go, to expect the unexpected. <laughs> uh, certainly what <not> we found. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Say more about that.
1: Well, for example, I mean, we came out at the end of it working very closely with this uh, disabled union in Gulu, and we have no background in disabled um, uh, work at all, really. So that was partly it. I found myself becoming a filmmaker, making a lot of films to, uh, to show what we were doing, what the program was doing. And it, you were tested all the time. And I also spent a, a great deal of time, both of us did, on a motorbike. I mm. did 12,000 kilometers riding around northern Uganda, going to see vocational training colleges. So all the time you're doing things you, you haven't done before, which was the point, really. Wow,
0: perfect. And then what was the process? from so so your your contract ended or it was time to go home or what what closed that segment off
2: the the placement was for two years and Mm -hmm. we extended it for another nine months and and could have extended it for longer but um commitments at home relatives Mm um uh, we we had said we weren't going away for Mm -hmm. Long uh, meant that really it was it was time to come home and the program had ended.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was only a, a two year program, so that program had ended. So it seemed the right time
0: to, to come home. Yeah,
1: I'm just going to say it was a great wrench to leave. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was very difficult to leave mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So so tell me about yes. the process that led you to begin the charity.
1: We worked with a lot of uh, colleges, vocational training colleges and a lot of different organisations, a lot of people. And the ones that impressed us the most were Gulu Disabled Persons Union, because of their commitment to the students they were working with, because of the way that they delivered education, and just because they were good people and we liked them very much. And when we left, we really wanted to carry on doing something, we didn't really know what. But we wanted to carry on working with uh, Patrick, uh, Ajot Patrick, who's the coordinator of GDPU, and with Farouk, who was the project officer. And we gradually, with them, developed a program that we could support and that they could run, which was sort of a continuation of what we were doing before, really.
2: The, the project we developed with them was to. Uh, provide post-training support, uh, business support and mentoring skills to some of the trainees who've been on the programme we've been working on. Um, Part of their continuation after their vocational training was to set up small businesses either as individuals or groups. But as we all know setting up a small business and it being successful and sustainable is a very different thing and and we felt that that obviously every small business needs more support more 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 training more development and and that was the program we devised it wasn't it's not to provide them with money it's to provide them with um business skills training finance training just conflict resolution sorting out the issues just having somebody there and, and bringing in professionals to provide business training and additional skills, because, mm. of course, you know, like the hairdressing group, there's always new fashions and new styles to
0: learn. So that, that was the project we devised. So you were back in the UK and mm. just sort of wanted to continue what you were doing. And there was an organization already on the ground that you sure. could, could tie in with. Is that
1: yeah. what it was yeah. like? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to point out, you know, we weren't going in and doing new things. We were supporting what already existed. So we were working uh, with people who knew what they were doing. We weren't turning up and saying, you must do this. We were saying, here's something we believe in and that exists already. And we were just continuing to support it, really.
0: And so the organization that you set up, is is that for fundraising or is it... Um, simply an extension of what you were doing while you were on the ground there. Uh, what what are you? What's different about about etc of PWD now that you're back in the UK?
2: Well, it, it, nobody. Nobody was doing this support. You know, post training support to these groups. So they would have either. Some of them continued on, probably very few, or they would have all dispersed and gone back to living a life of, uh, you know, depending on relatives and maybe doing a little bit of farming. So nobody was doing this. So we were very aware that although the project we'd been on had set up these groups, they were just being left. So, So we identified this as a gap. In the Mm. market it was a gap that we had actually uh, pushed for there to be further large organizational funding for but there was none available Uh, you know the project had come to an end and that was it the end of the project whilst we were there so we felt that we could with our very limited personal resources initially Develop and we developed it with the people yeah, that's at the important GDPU. Part. We developed a program that would provide support to the seven or eight groups there, uh, business groups. But we we didn't, um, you know, at every point we developed the program with them because, and obviously they deliver the program and and are able to find the tutors and things. We couldn't couldn't do it without a a partner on the ground in Uganda. So our role is to provide funding support and to provide, if you like, overseeing the programme. We we have monthly Skype meetings, we have monthly reports on the activities. We agree, once we've developed the programme and it's in its phase three now with different groups, um, we, we, we agree what the activity programme is going to be. We work on that together with the people at GDPU. You know, yes, we think that that group will need literacy training. Yes, that group will need more business training. And we develop these programmes and then they organise the delivery of it. But we, because we're providing the funding, we have a monthly report both on financial and activity. So I suppose um, we're the program managers, uh-huh. but not the program developers. Okay.
1: And it's, it's it's a sort of long process of discussion, really, the way it works. So, for example, there's been long discussions recently about there's a hairdressing group in Achet. Achet is outside Gulu, quite a long way way, isolated, small village, really, town. And the the hairdressers that work there, the disabled hairdressers, are doing reasonably well, but they need particularly um, financial training and literacy training. They can't read or write. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of their members is deaf, Nancy, and it's how to include Nancy in the training Ah. that the others understand. And it's that sort of slow process of then thinking, well, we need therefore an interpreter to go out. How's that going to work? Does the interpreter go weekly? Do they go fortnight? It's it's the, the sort of general discussion about how these things work that we get involved with i see
0: okay one of the reasons that i invited you here is because i think you have a great story but also i think that there probably are other people who would love to to get involved mm-hmm. in something as meaningful but don't know how it's possible so so how what what advice would you give to somebody who had similar leanings but maybe in a different form what what advice for 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 starting uh, connecting with an organization that's doing worthwhile work or starting some kind of charity
2: i i think it's very difficult i think in our case because we've worked in uganda for nearly three years we knew the people and I think you you can't do it at a distance. You need to know the people. Uh, you need to be assured of their integrity because because people are very poor in Uganda and people have a lot of commitments and and things happen very quickly. So you know corruption does happen and mis- misuse and misappropriation of funding really does happen, which is one thing you have to have a very clear understanding of being always on top of the finances, but it 's just about meeting people and, and understanding that it 's not something you can you can 't impose your ideas or you you have to you have to know what 's happening in the area and, and understand and get your direction from the people there
1: mm. i mean for example the what, we started the project at the very beginning. By asking Farouk, the project officer, to go out to find existing groups, business groups that from the old VSO program, and just talk to them, and say say to these existing business people, what do you want? What 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 do you need to get you through the next year? <laughs> so we weren't only saying it must be this sort of education, it must be this sort of training. It came from the people on the ground at each step. One of the problems with charities run by people from the West is they tend to turn up with a very good idea and tell everybody what to do. And once that, those very well intentioned people have left, the thing just runs away, runs into the ground. Our intention right from the beginning is to be able to make ourselves redundant quite quickly and leave something behind. And you can only do that if you're working with the people there. So as to how you it up, I think the way to, if you are, in the West and want to set up something, you have to go there first. Mm-hmm. Talk to people, find an area, find people, maybe do some volunteering. Uh, VSO, I would recommend highly. Um, spend some time in a place and find out what will work. And also, it's going to be slow. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in the, our program, the VSO program, started in 2013. We're now 2019, and things are only just beginning to change for the better for quite a few of these people. There's only really significant progress in the last year or so. It's very, very slow. Mm-hmm. Poverty has long roots. And tell, to get out of them is, is long.
0: Tell me some of the, the successes. Tell me some of the, the projects that, that
1: you're seeing really good results with. Well, let's think. And that's something we went back last February. We tried to go every year. We went back last February with the trustees our friends and we went back to visit various groups and one of the things we realized there are groups who were set up training just um, mending motorcycles everywhere there's people get around on small motorbikes 100 cc motorbikes and their their taxis they're everything they're the main form of transport so mending them is a great source of income and we were talking to some of the groups we were working with motorcycle repair groups and realizing that Actually, they needed to diversify, they needed wider skills. So, we were able to set up trainings in generator repairs because no power, so a lot of things depend on generators Mm -hmm. and small machines. And so, now those motorcycle guys are actually training, have been trained, and are mending other forms of machines. So, they got wider diversity of business. So you can see their businesses begin to develop. And more importantly, probably they're beginning to train other disabled youth in the area themselves. Wow. So you can see they're handing it on. There's a sustainability. It's being built into the system now. And I think you could call that sort of thing. That it's good to see that happening, I think. Wow, that's great.
2: And and I think another another person who's done really well for himself is is he's a he's a one man band in, mm. in the centre of Gulu. Called the Chair of Robert. Um, mm. And he trained in electronics and electrical repair and specializes in repairing small electrical goods, even up to sort of televisions and, and, and the odd, very battered looking computer.
1: <laughs> Radio.
2: <laughs> radios. <laughs> Little
1: radios. But, and but,
2: things. but he gets, he's known, he sits on a veranda in the center of Gulu and he is known. By, by people in the local surrounding areas you know the semi-rural areas who all bring their equipment to him but he made enough money last year to be able to send his his six-year-old to the most prestigious and the most expensive private primary school in gulu and that is that is mm. that is what everybody what 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 all the people want you know the value of education for your children is so important so that was sort of you know his from being somebody who was scrabbling around to to being able to spend the money to send his child to the most expensive primary school was really a heartwarming you know it was a heartwarming thing and that is the aspiration for everybody Mm. you know if they have children they want to be able to educate their children um, and provide for them yeah. And, and somebody said to, one of, one of the nicest things somebody said to us, which was really heartwarming as well, whilst we were there, was people don't see us as, as disabled anymore. They don't talk about mm. us as disabled. They talk about us as being hairdressers or motorbike repairers or yeah. electrical engineers. Yeah. And that, that, that really meant something to yeah. people because uh, in Uganda there has been such stigma against people with disability.
1: And there is huge disability from a great range of sources. And part of it is poverty, you know, the usual diseases of poverty. Part of it, of course, is landmines mm. from war. And then oh, and some very, very deep-seated diseases of one sort or another that we, that we don't see in the West anymore. Mm. So there, there's a big range of disabilities and life events, of course. You know, people, babies falling into the fire, that oh. sort of thing awful awful things so the disabilities are, are large and wide and there's no system you know there's no health care so there's no system of caring for and the stigma attached to disability is very high so being told that what's something
0: I hope you find you feel as proud as as I I feel <laughs> about you guys that to, to have organized that to have to have played a part in that is is pretty darn wonderful so, what's what's your goal for uh, etc of PWD at this point? What do you hope to see in a year, five years? We
2: we we are just beginning the process. That we we have we have been largely self-funded for these past three years on our on providing the mentoring support. So we've kept we've been deliberately very small because we, you know, we know we're a long way away. We we don't. You know, there are personal funds and uh, we also don't underestimate the time that it takes mm-hmm. um, to, to just provide sort of overseeing and mentoring. But we are just now applying, trying to begin to apply to maybe other organisations, governmental organisations and maybe do some fundraising for doing some more vocational training, you know, starting right at the beginning with people. Uh, with disability so I think we would like to you know because the organization we have we work with gdpu has the facilities to provide training they did before we would like to maybe have a, have a, a two-year very small um, very organized training program for, for people to get skills and then and then continue with uh, those people set them help them set themselves up in business but it's um it's quite a challenge to do all that fundraising so and and grant applications so at the moment we we're very clear that we want to keep things small organized Mm. and and
1: achievable achievable (laughs) (laughs)
0: what what would really support you two in that process what what if you could make wave a magic wand what would you ask for for your piece of, of the project
1: time
0: T-
2: time and 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 expertise in administration i mean um i have run my own small business and you know it just takes an awful lot of time making sure that the records are kept up to date and uh, applying for grants.
1: Bureaucracy. Bureaucracy. Mm, mm,
2: mm. To to um, assist with that. And mm. and we have very good trustees who help us, other trustees who help us with that. But it is, that's a challenge for us at the moment. Mm. Yes.
1: It's, it's fitting that in. I mean, the, the idea is to strengthen GULU Disabled Persons Union, to support them, so that in the end they can do all this themselves. So that we would, we're, we're helping them, for instance, They've not been able to elect a new board. There's a very strong institutional structure to organisations like this. And they've not been able to elect a new board because they didn't have the money. We've now made sure that they have the money to elect a new board. That board will now go forward, strengthen their organisation, and we will help them develop so that they can run the, the vocational training successfully. But it takes a very long time. It's a very, very slow, careful process.
0: So if anybody here who's listening wanted to contribute, would you direct them to GDPU uh, instead of to your own organization? I think that would be up, up to them, how they would like
2: to support the organization. They could either provide funds to support this project we are trying to develop or or they could um, Contact, provide
1: direct it depends what skills people have I think mm-hmm. it's for, for, I was just thinking one of the unexpected things we've discovered is that the one of the groups Gulu PWD persons with disabilities electronics who these young lads who mend phones are obsessive sports People, particularly wheelchair basketball and marathon, wheelchair activities, they've now become really quite a serious national team. Gulu ba- wheelchair basketball team um, are certainly national champions, and they're now off to uh, Kenya to go and play in the East African Championships. Wow. And obviously, they're completely neglecting the work that we're supposed to be supporting. <laughs> While well, they spend their time playing sport. But they're young. <laughs> this is what really matters to them. And it's things like that. It's working out how one could support a group of wheelchair basketball enthusiasts who are very successful, which we have no skills or knowledge. I know nothing about, I know even less about sport than I do about disability. So it's finding people who'd be able to support a wheelchair basketball team or would know how to go about finding sports support for them that sort of thing would be so if there's somebody out there who knows about that sort of idea they could matter to get in touch direct there's in fact a a website gulu wheelchair basketball team website that a usaid have set up for them Mm. um which you they could get in contact with so it's a matter of looking at yourself really and saying what skills do i have how can i help and use those skills to support i think Mm. Well, money is always useful <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah i yeah. was thinking money you went directly to skills and and actually physical help now, <laughs> any other advice for people uh, who who might want to start a charity i think some but something that somebody else said to me
2: who set up a charity which i will mention brass for africa oh, wonderful yeah. charity I met him and his wife and he said you do realize if you set up a charity it will begin to take over your life Mm. and it does to a certain extent but that's why we've tried to keep things very very small and manageable with what we're doing either be prepared for it to take over your life and become very very all-consuming and I think that's why we haven't very actively Gone out fundraising yet because we we don't feel we have the time mm-hmm. or the expertise. you know we'd have to do There's quite a lot of expertise or or get somebody in to do that. So it's about these things do become all consuming, which is absolutely great if you've if you've got the time to do it and be prepared for for things to as Mark says, move very, very slowly. and there to be you know, very small successes, very yes.
1: small sm- celebrate steps. small successes. Small steps, we told at the very beginning, it's small steps all the time, and that's what you celebrate. For, for example, the, the dresses, there's a group who make weave sweaters, which sounds bizarre for Africa, that's, that's sweaters, <laughs> but, but they're of school uniform, you see.
0: Uh,
1: and the, the school uniform you wear, is a jumper, and that's incredibly important, it's a great symbol of education so making sweaters and they they're made on these bizarre italian sweater weaving machines that break all the time <laughs> uh, but one of the groups has just started making children's dresses out of little scraps of fabric you know african fabrics
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: they've taken little fabric scraps and started making them into dresses which they can then sell again to diversify their income and it's that sort of small step that really matters. It's not about the big things. It's about the little steps that will that will last, that can keep. That's wonderful.
0: Well, I, I really admire the approach that you've taken. The the listening to to the people who are there and on the ground and know how things are, and and mm. um, supporting their work rather than imposing. I think your philosophy is is admirable. So thank you for your work. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for being my guest today. I, yes. I'm I'm very grateful. My thanks to Mary Bennell and Mark White. Their organization is etcofpwd.com. Um, they also mentioned GDPU, and I'll put links in the show notes for people who to get in touch. I invite everyone to tell me what you've always wanted to try and what you'd like to hear about in future episodes. I'm Liz Sumner reminding you to be bold, and thanks for listening.